0: The New Testament lesson is from John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The sermon lesson is from Philippians 2, 1 through 10. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This is the word of the Lord. So I do enjoy reading a lot. And my
1: favorite book, I think of all time, is Les Mis. And it opens up with this lengthy description of this obscure bishop in the countryside. And what's, what's telling about this, this bishop is he's known for his generosity. He's known for his outreach into the community. He's kind of a countercultural example of of what a priest was supposed to be like during that time one example is he you know as a as a priest he was given this kind of giant manse to live in but he turns that into a hospital and he instead lives in this small little room within the house and there's no possessions that are of any great value except for just uh, a little bit of silverware and two candlesticks And shortly after you're introduced to this this bishop, Bishop Muriel, you're introduced into the main character of the story, and that is Jean Valjean. And what you're told about him from the beginning is that he spent 19 years in a hard labor prison simply for stealing a loaf of bread that he was trying to feed his his family with. And what happens over, over these 19 years is his heart becomes Harder and harder. He tries to escape a number of times and the years just simply add up. So by the time he's finally released, what you're left with is just a hardened person um, whose heart is cold to every example of warmth in the world. And so he travels to he travels to this city uh, looking for work, looking for housing. It's cold outside. Uh, and nobody will let him in because they know that uh, he's a prisoner recently released. He has to carry this kind of yellow passport around and, and people don't want any of his kind uh, anywhere in the city. And and as he's knocking on different doors and getting just a lot of no's and rejections, someone points him to the bishop's house and says, you, you need to try him. He might let you in. And so he kind of has this self-talk as he's walking up here, expecting just complete rejection, knows what's coming, and then when he knocks at the door, he gets a very different welcome than what he expected. Uh, he's invited to come in, he's given food, he's given clothing, he's given shelter, he's, he's shown a kind of, of generosity and care that he completely didn't expect, and honestly, he doesn't really know what to do with it. And so they have this feast together where people are actually uh, caring about him and getting to know him and his story. And that night, uh, he's sleeping peacefully. Uh, but he gets this urge just to leave. And in doing so, he, he decides to, to steal these valuable possessions that were there, these candlesticks and the silverware, and he goes out. And, and the bishop wakes up in the morning and sees that they're gone. Um, doesn't know quite what to do. But as, as Jean Valjean goes away, he's, um, he's met by these police officers and the police officers um, they suspect right away that he's up to no good and so uh, they come to him and they find that he has these valuable possessions and so they interrogate him, what are these? They kind of know uh, where they've come from or at least where he's been. so he takes them back to the bishop's house and um, and he knows what he's gonna, what's going to happen. He's going to get arrested again. He's going to get thrown back into prison. But when he arrives at the bishop's house, he gets kind of an unexpected greeting. The, the bishop looks at him with just this kind of wide smile and open arms and says, There you are. I'm glad to see you. But how is this? I gave you the candlesticks as well, which can be sold for lots of money. Because he didn't take the candlesticks initially. He says, Why didn't you take them as well? And dumbfounded, Jean Valjean, he doesn't know what to do because he's expected he's getting arrested for this crime that he has committed. But here, this bishop is defending him to the police and saying, Not only can you have the silverware, but I want you to have these candlesticks as well. And what happens is, is a melting begins to happen in his heart. A kind of change begins to take place, which is going to unfold in the entire rest of the book. And so, what you're going to see is Somehow, this, this once hardened criminal, a thief, liar, is transformed into someone who is going to give his entire life away in caring for this destitute orphan of a prostitute. So what, what happens to, to make that kind of person into this kind of person? In the world of physics... Um, Isaac Newton is kind of one of those foundational characters and he came up with with three different laws of physics that kind of how motion is governed. And and the first law is this, an object will not change motion unless a force is acted upon it. An object in motion is not going to change its motion in any way unless an outside force is acted upon it. As I think about Jean Valjean's story of, of this person in motion, going in a very specific direction, was changed because something from the outside exerted its force and that changed the rest of the direction of of his life. Uh, That's what Christmas is all about in so many ways. It's a people in motion, a people in motion in a life of, of brokenness, a world dominated by suffering and death. In some ways, a life and existence that humanity has chosen for itself away from God. And then this outside force, and in such an unexpected way, comes in and exerts itself upon us. And it changes the direction. It changes our lives. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at these opening verses to the Gospel of John, which Owen read just a moment ago. And that's one beautiful picture that John, this beloved disciple of Jesus, gives us for what this outside force changing motion in us looks like. We're told that light comes into the world and that darkness is not able to overcome it, but this light has such a power that it begins to change us, begins to move us in a different direction. In the passage for the message this morning from Philippians 2, we're given a different picture of what that looks like. And we talked about this some last night of this great descent of this great king into our world marked by humility. And so here we're told that Jesus, who was in the very form of God, he didn't think his equality or this standing with God was something that could be held on to for his own gain. But he entered into our world as the lowest of low servants came to give himself for us completely even obedient to the point of death. There's no wars that are good to be a part of or fight in, but the Civil War, just in my reading about it, it seems especially bad if you're fighting in it. Just uh, Whether it was the climate, the limited supplies, the disease, the prison camps, you just didn't want to be a part of this war. And so as the war rages on, I know in the South, at least, they, they started um, conscripting people, bringing people in to fight this war, kind of drafting them in. But there were many who had a lot of resources, a lot of land, a lot of money, who looked at what was happening and the war that was being fought, and they said, I do not really want to go in and risk myself in fighting this battle. I want to stay safe. I want to be safe from hunger, safe from weather, safe from disease, safe from prison camps, safe from, from death. I want to keep my distance from it. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, to pay somebody else to go in my place because I want to stay as far away as I can from the danger. So, we think about God's descent into our world, He's not staying at any kind of safe distance. The story of, of Christmas and the message of the gospel is our God descending right into this war zone and doing it for us, plunging himself into a kind of darkness in order to, to rescue us and bring us back. And when we get that, what it begins is it begins to, to form some kind of hope in us. It it brings a certain kind of comfort. It's a message of good news. And there's a kind of logic that that Paul uses here of of connecting, if this is true, then this is what it means for how we ought to live. He opens up there, he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, what he's saying is this, this message is meant to bring a kind of encouragement. It's meant to bring a kind of comfort, a kind of of sympathy. It's meant to instill a kind of of hope in that. And if that's true, then then we are to embody what he says, that same kind of love, that same kind of of mind. A lot of our focus up to this point in kind of our Advent and Christmas Eve has been on, on this great movement of God towards us. But there's also a second part of that, and it's, how this movement is meant to move us in our own way. Going back to, to Isaac Newton, there's a third law of physics that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every action there is an opposite and equal reaction. So ball comes, bat hits it, collision, action, reaction force is what happens. There's something similar that's meant to happen around Christmas. There's is, there is an action that God moves towards us that is meant to collide into our lives and create an opposite and strong kind of reaction. But in the world of relationships, that that kind of movement doesn't doesn't always happen. So when I was 11 years old, I got a call from Uh, A friend of mine who was telling me that his mom was going to bring him over to our house because he had a Christmas present that he wanted to give to me. Uh, Every kid loves Christmas presents. And so on one hand, this was really good news. My friend's bringing me a present that I'm going to open. But the bad news was that I did not have uh, a present for him that was ready and available so I had to come up with something fast. And so I've got a lot of stuff in my house. I've got a lot of toys downstairs. I've got some things in my closet. And so I started uh, kind of ravaging my closet to see what I could um, kind of collect and maybe wrap up and, and give to this, uh, to this friend. And so I, I, I had a lot of good stuff in my closet. And so it's a little bit of a mystery even today how I settled uh, on this present, but in these kind of pile of of kind of old used books, there was this old copy of Black Beauty, which um, I I never actually read, but it was a paperback, and it's it's a story about a horse um, that's black, and that's about all I know. But it it was an old paperback. It had this kind of pinkish cover, and I remember the pages were were kind of were bent, and the cover was creased. And there was something in me that said, this will make the perfect gift for my friend. <laughs> um, so I grabbed it, went down, was about to uh, wrap it. Um, but there was a little bit of a problem when I kind of opened it up. There was, uh, my name was written at the top left of it. So for any reasonable person, this would have stopped it. And you would have said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go with something different. There's no way I can give this gift. But you're in elementary school and they have this thing called Whiteout. <laughs> so, this Whiteout is going to cover my name. So, I took Whiteout, I covered my name in this old copy of Black Beauty, and I, and I wrapped it up. And uh, when my friend shows up, and I have this very vivid memory of this exchange because he brought me this, this box, um, and in this box was like multiple presents. So there's this great Nerf football. There were these comic books. I mean, it was a great gift. Um, And I still remember his face when he opened up my used copy of Black Beauty with my name whited out in there. (laughs) And this awkward kind of, thanks. And the awkwardness was just so thick. Um, I still feel a tremendous amount of shame <laughs> about this day. But that's the worst gift uh, I've ever given. And, and part of the reason why that, that story haunts me so much is because it reveals this huge gap between this movement towards me with this gift and this generosity, and then my responding movement towards him in a way that did not balance or did not match at all. all right, Christmas is not about the gifts that we give to God. You all know that. It's, it's about the gift that God gives us. But there is this kind of response that's meant to take place. The response that's meant to be, it's meant to be meaningful, it's meant to be full-hearted. It's meant to embody and channel that kind of love that was shown us and kind of boomerang it back, not only to God, but to one another. Paul brings that out here in this passage of Philippians where he talks about, you know, Jesus came to serve in this way, in this humility, in this lowliness. And I want you, if you really get that, then what's going to happen is you're going to have that same kind of, of mind and love. So he says specifically what that looks like is is noticing the needs of others and even considering those more important than your own. To not just being internally concerned with just your own small world, but looking out and seeing the needs of others because that's the heart and mind that God has for us. And so as as you think about Christmas, and I'll leave you with this, Christmas is about holding these two things together. Christmas is about a comfort, and Christmas is about a call. Christmas is about sitting in this good news that God has given. Um, which we think about resolutions that are happening around New Year's. All those resolutions are us saying, "This is what I'm going to do." But when the angel appeared to these shepherds and brings this announcement, that the message isn't, "Here's what you need to." to get your life in order. Here's what you need to do to fix a broken world. The, the announcement is what God is doing. And so a big part of Christmas, the main part is this comfort that it brings. This strength, this hope, this life. But we don't want to miss the call of Christmas as well. There, there is a call to take this heart and this mind and this humble service And let it sink in so deeply that it it moves out of us into the lives of others. Thinking about Christmas just years ago as a kid, I mean, some of my happiest moments are still Christmas morning, opening presents, and remembering those special ones that just are always fixed as just incredibly happy moments. But I've noticed something change as I've gotten older, even as I think about today as we go home and open presents after this, is something changes of where I've noticed my heart is much more excited about uh, opportunities to give to others. Opportunities of seeing somebody open up a present that was given in thoughtfulness. Even Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's something about Christmas that is meant to move us outward. I'll close with this thought from, from Newton. As, as he did all these different scientific endeavors, he, he discovered much, but he said, what we know is a drop. What we don't know is an ocean. Um, Christmas is a lot like that. What we know of God's love, what we know of who He is for us, is but a drop. There is an ocean there. And that ocean is meant to change us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for this opportunity that we have to be here this morning to share, to sing, to pray, to be together and to worship. We thank You for the gift of Your Son and His humble service and sacrifice. Lord, would that bring a kind of comfort today that nothing else can bring. But would it also move us outward to be mindful of the needs of others. That the kind of love that that we share with others would be reflective of the beautiful love that you have shown towards us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.